3: Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
4: It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers
1: with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan.
4: Oh boy. No place there it is. Milwaukee, my home. I had to. That's, that's, I mean, I, yeah. How can you not start it off that way? No. And I appreciate that. And you know who else appreciates that, Sammy? My day job employer, CBS 58. Um, they, uh, they, they, gracious enough to let me slip out of the building here and this of course uh, sort of a welcome back uh, you know after more than two years it's great to be back here in the studio uh the lakeland university studios and we welcome you back to the fan afternoon show coming to you live from the lakeland university studios offering co-op credit for work experience learn your way at lakeland.edu so i'm kevin holden and uh, you know you'll hear me i'll, I'll call in we'll chat from yeah. time to time but uh, it's been a while since I've been here, and and it has. I mean, look, our, everybody's lives on the planet changed over the last couple of years. I mean, I think there's no secret of, you know, the <laughs> the stuff that went on in life and still going on as we're as we're working our way out of a, a pandemic, something we thought we'd probably never face. But uh, after a little more than two years, I'm, I'm glad to be back here and sitting in this chair, and it's it's weird
5: because we're all a couple years older, but literally. Other than this plexiglass, there's nothing that's changed. Well, I mean, for you and I, like before this weekend and all that, we were, you know, doing some stuff after the brew game. But like before then, it's honestly been like probably two years since like we've actually seen each other face to face. We've been texting back and forth for guest appearances and stuff like that, but haven't been able to like actually just catch up and like see each other. So yeah, it's been a while. It feels like that uh, thing in the Marvel movies where, you know, everybody's gone after like five years and then everybody's back and like, oh, what's what's new and all that. So I'm (laughs) glad to have you back though. This this is going to be a great weekend. We're going to, get weird and wacky and have a whole lot of fun and talk some sports while we're at it.
4: So, yeah, the last time I saw you here, you, you had glasses. You had those
5: glasses that are in the, yeah. the profile pic. That oh, we... I still do. But with these headphones, they get all you know bent and everything. So Can't mess with that. Yeah, no. You were you had glasses, and I was
4: probably about 25, 30 pounds heavier because that's when Burgoyne used to let me eat at the vending machine. <laughs> Doesn't do that anymore. I'm going to need the Burgoyne workout soon, man. He getting was getting bad. I'm, I'm not lying to you. Today, he... <laughs> The first thing he said to me, I, I showed up like a minute before he did to the gym and I said, All right, I'm here. And he said, get a bench. It's the first text, get a bench. Jeez. He was
5: It's like the Gordon Ramsay of
4: workouts. He was nutty. He he gets <laughs> he gets after it. And and he's trying to be, you know, mild mannered meteorologist drooper going, but I'm telling you, the dude's a lunatic. Like he's just his his goal. I know this is probably not the first place we wanted to go here today. Yeah, that's all right. His goal right now is to bench press what i weigh
5: <laughs> this is our weatherman man i respect it but i mean he can definitely do it i'm not doubting him but man i mean he can do it he's on a, on a buck
4: 65 frame Jeez. and he's trying to bench press what i weigh he's trying to bench press depending on the day i'm anywhere from 220 to 225 <laughs> like
5: Come on, dude. I know. Like
4: save some. <laughs> wow. Like he's it was crazy. But anyway, that's that's a that's another topic for another day. You know who else was doing some some heavy lifting? It was the Brewers yesterday. Offense, especially.
5: Man. Yeah. Remember finally. what
4: that feels like?
5: It's been a while. It feels like it's been a while since they've actually like well besides the Red Series before that. It's actually been like a while before they won a couple series in a row. And they had the split, but Thankfully, Corbin Burns was kind of the stopper in Game 2 against Kikuchi. And then yesterday, the offense finally showed. Now, Burrios had a bad game his last outing, and they took advantage of it again. I mean, Chichi Gonzalez gives up a three-run
4: homer to Alejandro Kirk in the first with one out. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, oh, man. Because we did that—that that was a Telemundo game. Right. And Jaime said—my color guy, Jaime Cano, said in the pregame, he goes— I have a bad feeling on the air. I have a bad feeling that Toronto is going to put up 10 runs. And so when the Brewers put up 10 runs, I turned to him and I said, Jaime, did you say that an offense today was going to score 10 runs? And he he said, yeah, I just picked the wrong one.
5: That's baseball, though. As soon as you predict something, as soon as you assume something's going to happen, the opposite will happen. That's just how baseball works. And that's why it's such a weird, wacky sport. We've been talking uh, some brewers here for a little while, so if you want to join in the conversation, feel free
4: at 414-799-1250. I mean, there are, there are heroes all up and down the score sheet. Chi-Chi and the bullpen looked absolutely great. In fact, if I have this in here correctly, the bullpen in five innings allowed two hits with one walk. So you're talking about Gustave and Gott and Suter and Kelly. So you're not even talking Devin Williams and Josh Hader. You're talking about other guys. That's that... Is encouraging because the rotation's already great, but you know you need as many arms as humanly possible when the games count. So maybe yeah. a couple come out of that.
5: It's good to see Gotback, and you know he had a good inning, but you didn't even have to use Hopi Milner, who's just been lights out. Now he's all of a sudden like we're talking about Hobie Milner potentially being like a high leverage guy, yeah. which is just insane. And a credit to this Brewers team in general. And so when you're talking about that
4: starting rotation for the Brewers, this was and still is with health. The most important thing this team has, Corbin Burns. Nobody else has the reigning Cy Young Award winner. You've got, again, talking health, Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, who would be a fantastic two and three, who could compete with any two and three in the league when you're talking about October, when you're talking about a playoff series. You've got Eric Lauer, who at his best is a phenomenal number four. I mean, man. And then the guys on back from there, the Aaron Ashby's of the world. You've still got Hauser in the mix uh these are guys that uh that can give the brewers when you get to playoff time and you only need three or four starters they push down in other words you, you don't have just your guys in the back end of the bullpen you don't have just the the trevor gotts of the world that can help you get there you're going to have
5: long relief from somebody jason alexander yeah aaron ashby there'll be i mean i mean what do you what do you, it's a great problem that I mean, you can only say probably maybe two or other, three other teams in all of baseball have this issue. A yeah. good problem to have where it's like, okay, we have like too many guys now that we could actually use as starters. What do we do with them come playoff time? That's
4: fantastic, isn't it? Right.
5: I mean, and how many years did we sit here and go, oh, woe is me?
4: How are the Brewers going to get a starting pitcher without spending $25 million a year on the open market? Well, for the first time in, I mean, since like the Giovanni Gallardo era or before, uh, they developed them, and and a lot of these guys are coming out of the system. I know
5: a few came in through
4: trades, but you know, for the most part, this is an organizational success, and it's a massive one.
5: Yeah, because Hauser came in via the you know Josh Hader, Carlos Gomez trade, and all that too. But Freddie Peralta too is also acquired very young. But these guys were developed so you know they've been in the organization for so long that you can kind of qualify them too as like homegrown in a sense.
4: So so that starting five. mm Hmm healthy starting five, or even four, if you want to talk playoffs. That's probably the Brewers' path, isn't it? Because, look, we, I don't think there's any, been any time where we've sat here for more than a game at a time and said, oh, man, that offense looks great. They did yesterday. But we've been around this offense for half a season, and I think, I think you know what you have there. Short of trades, it's probably not how they're going to dominate. And so that's kind of important. So a, a healthy starting rotation. How crucial is it? You're thinking championship. You want to be there in October. You want to win a World Series. How crucial is that healthy rotation for the Bruce? How important is it to win a championship?
5: For me, I mean, it's pretty much everything. It's just the way this team is constructed. It's almost like having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback in the right. NFL. You know, everything runs through him because the way David Stearns sets up this team, and even before the season started, like Rami and I were already talking about before the season began, like, well, they're going to have to add another bat. But that's because this team is centered around defense and run prevention, and having a healthy starting five. I mean, that just makes everything easier for the offense. And come playoff time too, you're going to go up against better offenses, better pitching. So the McLaughlin theorem: the less runs you give up, the less runs you have, you have to score.
4: That's that was Romney's thing.
5: Yeah. So I mean, it's, to me, it's like everything because that's when this healthy when this rotation is healthy, we talk about them being a playoff team, and they're have their head above water. They're still at the top of the NL Central despite all these injuries. But when they're healthy, now we're talking about a possible World Series contender. That's literally the difference, right? Right. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I I feel the same way, and I'm curious to know how you folks at home feel about it. 414-799-1250. Join that conversation. Talking Brewers, talking Blue Jays. A little later in the show, we've got Dan Plesak, a former Brewer and current MLB Network Analyst. And you realize what that's going to mean, by the way, Sammy. It's going to mean an all-left-handed panel here.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean... You and I, we are both lefties. We yeah. love baseball. We also love the number 32. Yes, we do. And then to have another lefty on top of that, a premier guest on top of that, and the all-time Brewers lead, saves leader. I mean, can't ask for anything better. And then Tim Allen, 30 minutes after that. Right. And draft mockery. So
4: Eric, name is, is going to be uh, with us. I mean, we've got we've got a lot. To, for a Monday right. without a Brewers game, when you worry about what are we going to talk about, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> and we're going to get to it next, right after this.
3: Rowdy in the right, that ball got some carry, and it's gone! It hit the top of the wall and bounces on out of here. He's done it again, Rowdy to Liz. Two innings, two homers, five RBIs. Eight to three, Milwaukee.
0: (laughs)
5: it felt good it was i wouldn't call it bittersweet getting to play against them but uh there was definitely extra emotions playing against them you know they are the team that drafted me gave me the chance to play in the big leagues but um you know i couldn't be more happy to be here in milwaukee and be around this fan base and play in front of these people (laughs) sammy what was what was that in the middle i don't know some uh... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I like courtesy of Valley Sports Wisconsin, yes. but that that is my favorite home run call of all time. It was from the Taiwan League a couple years ago. I believe it was a Manny Ramirez home run, too. And so he did it in English. Yeah, they're just speaking Taiwan, and then you know all of a sudden he breaks into English and does that. Oh, my God. I just said, you know, anytime I can use that, I figured, why not? <laughs> so Rowdy Telez goes
4: deep twice against the, the uh, Blue Jays, against his former team. And by the way, this segment... Uh, of the show brought to you by the Big Time Baseball Podcast. Check out 2400 Sports MLB coverage with Big Time Baseball. Former players Cody Decker and Tony Gwynn Jr. with in MLB insider John Heyman sit down every week. They cover all the moving parts of Major League Baseball on the field, in the clubhouse, the front office. These guys have you covered. Complete breakdowns of every team, an individual player, worth noting on a week-to-week basis. Ooh, mental note. Fantasy help. I they'll have to remember that. Make sure you keep an eye out for new episodes of Big Time Baseball every Monday, wherever you find your favorite podcast. So there were some emotions, Rowdy admits, to facing the Blue Jays. And, and you got to go back uh, a little bit to dig into that, because when the, when the Brewers made that trade, first of all, it felt like they were acquiring what they already had, because they had Vogelbach at that time. Vogelbach! Uh, <laughs> you know you know I had to, right? Now I gotta find it. You gotta find it.
0: <laughs> go Back. Uh
4: from the Telemundo broadcast when he had the walk off against the Cardinals. I'll go Back! <laughs> ah.
5: <laughs> Always. That's that's a you know it's a staple. That's in the Hall of Fame of WSSP drops.
4: <laughs> so he was here and then the you know the brewers go and acquire Rowdy Tellers, and it looks like the same guy. And if you remember, the Blue Jays weren't giving Rowdy Tellez much of a shot, and understandably, in some way, because you see the bats they have. You saw him up hand, you know, up close firsthand. You had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You have Kevin Biggio who was playing first base yesterday. I mean, there was there was a bit of a block to to playing time for Rowdy Tellez, But when you have a good bat, you find a way. And there would have been a way to play Telez, but the Blue Jays weren't doing it. When the Brewers traded for him, the big knock, the, the thing that raised eyebrows, was that Rowdy Telez was playing in Buffalo. He was at A, And the Brewers get him, and he turns into this guy who is the muscle of the order. And honest to goodness, where would this offense be if you didn't have Rowdy in it this year? Like, man, it's it's rough enough. I can't
5: imagine it without Rowdy. It's, he's one of the only guys, too, that... A lot of these guys, some guys like Keston Hero, they have like weird reverse splits where Keston Hero is better against righties than he is against lefties. But Rowdy is like one of the only guys in that lineup, too, that can actually hit the opposite side, too. Like he can hit lefties Mm -hmm. pretty well for a left handed batter. So that just makes him even more valuable to this team. And like, honestly, we're wondering or we're assuming that Keston Hero could hopefully bounce back. But now it's gotten to the point where he's your everyday first baseman and he cannot be out of the lineup unless he needs a day off here and there. Yeah, so he's he's probably we were having the debate actually last week with Toby and I on this show we were talking we were talking about who's the most valuable batter in this Brewers offense and we had a poll between Rowdy Willie and Hunter Renfro and everybody was pretty making pretty much making cases for between Willie and Rowdy but obviously Rowdy's been healthy the entire year
4: yeah and that so and if he's healthy and he's hitting like this that's the the centerpiece of the whole thing and then you can rotate everything else around. Uh, in the sense that even without Lorenzo Cain, Tyrone Taylor's played well enough that I think he can play the majority of the time in center field for you. I mean, it's you know, it, he's he's at least serviceable in center field. And then then you add in guys in the corner outfield spots, McCutcheon or Yelich or whatever, and then somebody rotates out to DH. Like it's, I know the offense hasn't produced runs, but in terms of bodies, it's not like they're falling apart.
5: Yeah, I mean, in, in my opinion, like it's, it's frustrating before this series and before the Cardinals series. It's been frustrating with this offense, but you got to remember that these guys just haven't been able to stay healthy, and they haven't had time to gel all at the same time. I believe I can probably look up the stat again because I have it saved somewhere, but at the time, right when Colton Wong went on the uh, IL, Wong, McCutcheon, Adamas, Urias, and Renfro at the time had only played four games together, and it still holds true because now Wong's back in the IL and he'll return soon. In those four games, those guys are four zero. Mm-hmm. So those five Brewers, like it just goes to show, like this team as a whole. And now even the starting rotation, as soon as one guy comes back, boom, another guy goes down. So we can be frustrated about this offense. We can say how yeah they need to add a bat here and there. But like at the end of the day, like we don't even know the full potential of this Brewers offense yet.
4: I think the return of Renfro, and I know you want to get into it a little later in the show, that the return of Renfro to to health is a big boost because Renfro is another muscle guy. And what you have if you have a healthy Renfro is a lefty in Tellez and a righty in Renfro who are capable of powering the offense. And those two in the middle allow Craig Council a lot of flexibility. You know Council likes to do a lot of lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Yeah. So if, you, if you're if you facing someone and you want to start with a lefty and so Tellez is third and then Renfro is fourth, that's great. If you want to flip it and you have – um Renfro third, right, and Tellez fourth. You can do that.
5: Yeah, that's I mean, good. that's the thing is, too. Like, Yelich and Wong, assumably, as your leadoff guys, like, the I don't know about you, but it's been frustrating. I know now we realize, like, Renfro was dealing with injuries, but man, it was frustrating to see Urias in the cleanup spot, and then Renfro would be right there at, like, number seven in the lineup. For me, like, Rowdy and Renfro need to be locked together at the hip in that lineup, and yeah. then everything else, you can just you know, plug into. But those guys, clearly, when they're right, they're the MVPs of this offense, along with Willie Adamas, who is frustrating because of the batting average. But at the end of the day, like he's still hitting home runs and leading this ball club.
4: Three hits yesterday, two runs scored for Adamas as the Brewers beat the Blue Jays 10 3. They take that series with Toronto, which means they finish this homestand, Sammy, with a four game split against the Cardinals. Really the most important team they'll face all year because. Ain't nobody else in that division, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's those two. It's a two horse race, and and then Toronto, who's a one of the top tier teams in the American League. They took
5: two out of three, absolutely. And to take two of three against them with a Chichi Gonzalez start thrown in there as well. I mean, who could have thought that? I mean, before the homestand even began, we were talking in the post game show. We just, we always try to get like you know, what's your prediction for this upcoming homestand and all that. A lot of people just wanted to be at least a game under 500 for this homestand, but to get two of three against them and then again split against the Cardinals, which is just so weird because every series, I'm sure you've realized this, every four-game series against the Brewers and Cardinals, Brewers win game one and game four, (laughs) lose game two and three. But at the end of the day, they're not losing any ground with all these injuries. So Woodruff's coming back against Tampa Bay, and you'll presumably get healthier and healthier as it goes. So to be at where they're at right now and to take two of three against that Blue Jays team, I don't think As frustrating as it can be for the offense before yesterday, I don't think you can ask for anything else.
4: And if Peralta is missing an extended amount of time, but you have Woodruff back and healthy going back to this crucialness the rotation.
5: Ashby, hopefully, at the end of the month, because it sounds like everything's going well for him. But, yeah, I mean, to have Woodruff back after this homestand is going to be crucial. I mean, so it it goes. Burns and Woodruff, hopefully Ashby, and then the other guys that you already have in there. Lauer, Hauser. Yeah. And then Ashby. We we're talking about in the playoffs, but like now, when Ashby and Woodruff come back, and when you have those guys again, what do you do with Jason Alexander? Right. I mean, does <laughs> he become? You remember? You remember 2018 when when the Brewers
4: started this playoff run, and they had a rookie Corbin Burns, and it may have been a rookie Brandon Woodruff, a young Brandon Woodruff, and yep. they had those two pitching in relief, and Craig Council threw his starters like two
5: innings every game. Yeah, Burns was huge in that 2018 run out of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I. I before and this is why I love working with you now because I can talk about a lot of the things that we were talking about earlier in the season but I can throw it off of you now like right. before the season began I thought it was going to be I love Boxberger and I still think he's you know a good reliever now I didn't re, I didn't assume we had got what we got, out of got <laughs> jeez but <laughs> you didn't you didn't go too deep there right. that's fine that's fine but I thought it was going to be Ashby Williams hater and I thought you could use Aaron Ashby like you use Josh Hader when he first came up mm-hmm. as that Swiss Army knife that you need out of the bullpen whenever you need to get out of trouble and all that, but yeah. it's clear that they want to push him to be a starter. But I don't, yeah. I mean, I think Jason Alexander turns into that guy because the way he's been pitching, you can't send him down. No, I mean, so, how many guys, you know, like you? you but now Hobie, a like we were talking about, Hobie Milner. Now he's a guy out of that bullpen. You have so many guys in that bullpen. Like I don't, I don't know what you do, but it's a great problem to have for the Brewers. I mean, they're at a point where Brent Suter, who was not that long ago. Uh,
4: Not a high leverage reliever, but a a leverage reliever. Let's say seventh inning of a close game. Right. He'd be that guy. At this point, Suter's pitching in this game with a 10-3 lead in the eighth.
5: He's turned into the old Yandel Gustave, where he's just the guy to get you some innings, save the guy's arms for tomorrow, yeah. the next series, which is kind of, it's crazy to think about Brent Suter's career because Council loved him and always relied on him as like the fireman guy who could put out the flames whenever you needed it
4: now here he is throwing the eighth inning up seven or down seven one or the other I mean that's that's kind of become his role and and they don't the other thing is there's not a, a a desperate need of left-handers that's always a problem right yeah desperate need of lefties has been a thing that's happened for the Brewers at times but they it's not a necessary need especially if you have whoever coming in if it's you know if it's Ashby out of the bullpen if somehow it's Ethan small coming in and contributing out of the bullpen you know later down the line Whew. they don't need
5: him now even talk about that too like that and I was talking about that before too like if we're just thinking big picture too after this year I don't know what you're gonna be gonna do because now you're gonna have a six-man rotation again going into next year with Peralta back as well so like what do you do with Aaron Ashby because they clearly want to make him a starter yeah. but I don't think they want to go to a six-man rotation again so it's just it's crazy and then you also add Jason Alexander and Ethan Small maybe in the next year and the years beyond so Real quick, 414-799-1250, if you guys want to chime in, let's go out to the phone lines Let's go to Steve in Germantown. Steve, you're on the afternoon show. What's up, man?
2: Hey, what's going on, Sam? How you doing? Good. How about you? Good. Kevin, good to hear you.
5: Thank you very much.
4: Good to be back.
2: Absolutely. I think whoever is making decisions over at 1250, uh, I think it's the winner right here between you 2 let Let's make it happen, boys.
4: What do you think? I'm down. Any day they want to put us in here, I'm with it.
2: (laughs) Warren, that sounds good, man. No, I was just going to say, I'm very impressed with the Brewers the last uh, seven games or so, honestly. I really had that whole stand. I, I couldn't – me, I mean, I, yeah, you like to see them win every game, but I think it turned out pretty well. Um, they're battling injuries guys. We know this, right? They're battling left and right. But they're they're still holding true and holding strong. Renfro and Tolaus, we just took the thunder from me before. If you keep those two dudes back-to-back in back the lineup every game, I think that's, that's where your success comes from right there. That's absolutely where, where your power comes from, too. So, I mean – Make sure those, those guys are, what, three and four in every lineup. I think you've you got something good there. I think you really do. They can even be four and five. I don't care. Just put them back-to-back back and make sure that they get their quality Swing at four to five bats every game. Between those two guys, they're going to get at least three, four hits and maybe a couple home runs. You know, it's just going to happen. They're, they're solid. They really are. And the pitching, my God, you just can't ask enough about it. I mean, Burns had a good week this week. Um, getting Woody back. He started coming up against Tampa Bay, so – I think things have fallen into place. We're still, you know, not even ha- or close to half the season, not yet. But we're projecting in the right direction. I mean, nine games up right now, if they can push that to 10 to 12 by the time the all-star break hit, I'm looking at a very, very good uh, second-half run, guys. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I'd say, Steve, thanks for the for the call. I'd, I would say, first of all, it's there are two different things the Brewers are chasing. And and they are in pretty good shape, very good shape for one, and I think pretty good shape for the other, which is to make the postseason, is, it, I shouldn't call it a formality with 80-plus games left, but the way this league shapes up and the way the division shapes up, I think they're going to be fine to make the postseason. But yeah. I also think that's not good enough right now.
5: I think they need to win this division. Well, we were talking about too, pretty much all this past month and the month before, we're getting to the point, and I know we had had that long playoff drought and now four years in a row in the playoffs, which is a franchise record, but it's getting to the point now where you have a window with guys' contracts like Hayter after this year and next year. And then on top of that, in a couple of years, too, you got to pay Burns and Woodruff. So now is your window to really cash in on this World Series before the time comes to pay those guys. And, yeah, like we can be happy about – Oh, we're finally like in the playoff. We finally have consistent success in this organization as Brewers fans that we've always wanted. But now it's going to be real. It's going to be leave a real bitter taste in my mouth if we don't end up with at least one World Series. That one World Series that we've all been chasing for. Like you got to get it right now with these guys with Hater in your bullpen too as well. So yeah. yeah, now's the time to
4: do it. So it was eighteen where the Brewers were the closest, Game Seven against the Dodgers, and it reminds me the run reminds me of when we talk about Aaron Rodgers' run as as the Packers' quarterback, which is that the championship happened for him very early then it left you thinking a lot more was was coming and then a lot of stuff has happened some of it the fault of the Packers some of it the fault of you know the situations or who they played or whatever but the fact that they got it early was a big thing and it's funny how the Brewers have followed that path 18 was their I don't think it was their
5: best team but it was their best shot yeah absolutely that's the closest they got so far and you know, you're talking about too like the only thing that we care about is the playoffs right now, but I think a lot of Brewers fans are worried now going into the playoffs this year after what happened last year where they clearly kind of let their foot off the gas pedal. They tried to make sure they were healthy going into the playoffs and unfortunately, as you know, Kevin, like the playoffs are the weirdest playoff format in all of sports compared to the NFL and NBA. If you if you are in the playoffs, you have a legitimate shot to win the World Series. Amen. So I think a lot of Brewers fans are just paranoid like okay, like yeah, we want to get in the playoffs but we also want to be hot going into the playoffs on offense especially that bye that in this year's system
4: for yeah. the playoffs it's it's a it's a it's a gift it's gold right. for te- for guys that have played 160 games but then there's that other half right and we talk about this in the NFL all the time with bye weeks and teams that go in 15 and 2 and get a buy and right. come
5: out rusty. I always get nervous with the buys, especially in the NFL, because we all remember when the Packers won it; they were a wild card team. That's so just, right. You're, they were hot, they got hot going into the playoffs, and they just had you know game after game after game in the playoffs. So uh, maybe we'll ask that later on in the week. But like I don't know if you asked a lot of Brewers fans, I'm sure a lot of them would want this team to just be playing and not get that bye. I would think so
4: too, and, and obviously the guys would love the rest and, and there's less chance of injury that kind of thing. But I mean, you hit it on the head, Sammy. Like. That year with the Packers, they went to Philadelphia, good team with Michael Vick. To Atlanta, really good team with Matt Ryan. Yeah. To Chicago, and then and then, <laughs> and then to, oh I love you. You know I had to do that right, and then uh, and then the Super Bowl. So it but they there were no home games. There was no the last time they were at home. The last thing that happened was
1: listen up. I won't sugarcoat it.
0: week
4: 17 of the regular season and it was a 10-3 game if I remember right against the Bears who basically showed up vanilla they just they didn't show them anything because yeah. they said well we might face them again that got the Packers in as the six and they never lost again it was crazy
5: yeah so maybe we'll talk about that later on this week but I'm, I'm sure a lot of Brewers fans like the the buy seems nice and you would think like well I'll get healthier kind of what they were thinking about last year but I mean, including Freddie Peralta, trying to ramp him up. Like maybe you want that extra round in the playoffs. You know, roll the dice to make sure that you you are actually like at your the top of your performance and all that. You got to be able to trust them.
4: That's I mean that's number one. Is is as hurt as they have been, Woodruff or Peralta or whoever. They can't just pitch for you in the playoffs. You got to trust them. You want to win a title. You got to fully trust those guys. We've got uh, more coming up. Stick around. It is. The Fan Afternoon Show. Right after this. The Fan Afternoon Show. Thanks for listening. Kevin Holden from CBS 58 stepping in for the week. Sam Schmidt's with us, of course. And I mean, look, really the truth is Sam is the the guy listed first, and I'm the guy that's just in here. No,
5: no, 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 no.
4: It's you. You're Kevin Holden. (laughs) You just, you know, I just don't want to like... I'm always concerned about like touching the
5: wrong thing. you know, you're in like a guest house. I don't want to break anything, you know what I mean? That's how I am every time behind the sports, how I think I feel <laughs> and I work here <laughs> and you
4: have a ton of buttons. you you have to push things oh man. so you've had uh, some pretty good reaction here in the first hour of the show, some folks uh, interacting with us on social media.
5: yeah. so we're just asking you guys, how crucial is this healthy starting rotation for the brewers and then, if you also just want to comment on the homestand or this three game series against the Blue Jays, feel free to at twelve fifty and the fan on Twitter, or you can also comment on Facebook. Josh on Facebook says injuries will determine this season at full strength. We can play with anyone. However, with a tight wild card, how tight the wild card will be, I think it's either win the division or no playoffs. It'll be close to the end. And we were kind of talking about that last week. Toby and I, we were ranking just where the Brewers kind of ranked among these top NL teams because I think it's going to be the same teams, like eight teams in the NL, that are going to be there all throughout the season. The Dodgers, the Mets, the Cardinals, us, the Brewers, the uh, Giants, Phillies, and then probably the Braves, too. Right. So all those teams are going to be there. I don't think anybody else is going to pop up, but that's a, that's a lot of good teams. I know, unfortunately, the Phillies just lost Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. potentially for the season. But a lot of those other teams, like even with that expanded wildcard spot, like I think... This this year might be the most important year to win the division. Yeah, because the Cardinals are going to be there at the end of the day. We know that every year they just find that dark magic to always be in contention against the Brewers, but really just to lock up that playoff spot, it's it's going to be more crucial than ever. Yeah, you you don't want to have to
4: fight for your life going in because you're going to have to fight for your life the whole month of October. Like it just with the extra spot with the series that are there. Like that's. That fight, that extra level of pressure is going to be ratcheted the whole
5: month. Right. Uh, Tara says it is very crucial as their offense isn't going to carry them this season. Way too hot, way too cold. Which is understandable, but that's kind of I think what you and I and everybody else expected from this offense. Yeah,
4: it's you know there comes a point where you where you stop pining about Yelich. You you know I pine for oh you know the 2018 Yelich blah blah blah. And it's just that guy's not there. It's just, I don't, I don't think that's happening in 2022. He's a, he's a good major league regular. And as a leadoff batter, he got on base three times Sunday.
5: You know, it's interesting too, as I was just reading that comment, you were talking, it got me thinking like of the teams that are probably going to make it into the playoffs in the NL, all of them on offense probably have at least one, if not two all-stars. Yeah. Spurs offense, it's probably not going to have a single all-star. Well, you saw on the new on voting, offense. right? Yeah. And I mean, but we all know it's going to be Burns, Hayter, and then probably Williams. Right. But yeah, I mean, I saw the AL voting. I, don't, I didn't see the last NL actually. Last NL, the the highest ranked Brewer is sixth at his position. Mm. Can I try to guess? Yeah, but I got to go look it up with oh, you do. No, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume it's probably Rowdy. I think that's right. Yeah, because Willie's been injured, so I think that might have caused him in like the fan voting. It is Rowdy. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, I mean, with Goldschmidt. I mean, you're probably not going to make it. And Matt Olson as well, the Braves. Like that position's pretty much locked up for the All Star game. Freddie Freeman, yeah, it just it's, Freddie Freeman too. Yeah, jeez. it's so yeah, it's
4: a tough one. It really is. And Tellez has been a, a great bat for the Brewers, but just an impossible position to try to win. You know, in terms of voting.
5: Um, last one on Facebook before we go over to Twitter. Kevin says it's important because in the postseason you need it unless they go and grab an impact bat that will be relied upon heavily. Which yeah, we're all expecting them to make a move, but I don't know about you, Kevin. When you look at the guys that are going to be available on this trade deadline, like it's not going to be like last year's deadline where mm-hmm. there's all these premier AAA names. Like it's it's a lot of guys that are just expiring contracts, and like I think the biggest name out there right now that has like years of control would be like Brian Reynolds, yeah, the Pirates. So that's why I think the healthy rotation going into the playoffs is even more important because that big bat that we all expect them to probably try to get this year. Might not be as big as we all expect.
4: And I also think because of the extra wild card spot, because of the extra playoff spot, it has this effect on the market when you talk about trade market. More teams trying to make it, so more buyers. Like, it's, it's, not, a, yeah. it's not a good time to be a buyer.
5: No, it is not. That's for sure. And You then mentioned all those teams. We got two on Twitter. Once again, you can tweet us at 1250 in the fan, or you can call in 414 1250 Wisconsin family nice, Yeah. says, if they don't have their starting pitching at full strength, what do the Brewers have? Telez and Adamas, and then in parentheses, he said, God bless them. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, they have it right now, and they're also banged up, and they're still afloat, and they're still in the lead for the division. It's, it's just crazy to think. And then they're getting all these guys back. It's, it is going to get better, and, it, and there's a uh, an effect that, that goes in,
4: too, because if Renfro bats fourth, McCutcheon doesn't. Yeah. And that's good. McCutcheon's
5: a, a good solid veteran player, but man, I like him way better sixth. McCutcheon's batting like I have to check his latest one, but the last time I checked, like a game or two ago, he's been slugging like over four hundred in June. Yeah. So he's finally heating up for the Brewers after that little COVID stint. That and was
4: that was that's a good, good little pickup.
5: Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. And then our last one on Twitter, Josh, tweeted in at us, he said, considering that's where our strength is, a healthy rotation is a must. The recent series win versus Toronto is a pleasant surprise.
4: Here's another question, then, because this is the way it's shaping up. The Brewers have an abundance of something that the league wants, needs, really. And so, at what point, And understand, I am not going on your airwaves to advocate trading Burns or Woodruff for Peralta. Let's oh, just,
5: don't worry, we've already had this conversation. So, like, you're not. Nobody's going to be having like pitchforks. Or whatever. Yeah,
4: yeah. Please do not protest. You're good. I'm not. Tr- I'm
5: not talking had, about we, that. We, we have had people you know in these chairs I've had provoked that like trading Woodruff especially oh. which Rami and I had to talk people off the ledge yeah like no no, it's is not happening you you have those 3
4: but what if what if a young guy what if Ashby nets you a really good bat what if Adrian yeah. Hauser nets you a really good bat
5: well and i think uh, i brought that up to Toby and he like he's like oh you can't trade those guys like you, those are given commodities that you have right now but I, like you're saying and we talked about this a couple minutes ago too, think big picture, they're going to have a six-man rotation going into next year with Ashby as their sixth guy. Lauer and Hauser, well, probably not Hauser, but Lauer's stock especially is like still the highest it's going to ever be. Mm-hmm. And you know, Lauer's obviously great. He's proven to be a great asset from that uh, trade with Grisham, but you're going to have to make room for somebody. And if they can help you get a guy at the trade deadline, along with a couple prospects that, let's be honest, probably won't help in this window, the playoffs yeah you gotta do it but but once again talking about this trade deadline do you think there's a guy that you're gonna have to throw in one of your starters along with a couple of prospects yeah that's a, that's a really good point because
4: you don't it's not last year Chris Bryant right. is not
5: available it's not Anthony Rizzo right you know Javier Baez and stuff like that so as, mu- as hard as it would be right to but, root for them if they were a brewer I would have rooted for them yeah I mean I, we were talking about that last week too like I, I hate the Cubs more than the Cardinals yeah Man, did I respect Anthony Rizzo? Right, like especially like he would always hit two home runs against the Brewers every game, which sucked. (laughs) But I respected Rizzo. I respected Bryant and Baez at the time when he was coming up in the minors. I was I I saw his swing and I was just in love with it. Mm -hmm. Even though he was a Chicago Cub prospect, so yeah, that team is weird. Like you said, if they were on our team, it's like you know a Draymond Green or stuff like that, or like a, a Pat Beverly. You hate them. But if they're on your team, you're going to root for them. Grayson Allen, I, mean, yes. I think that's a great oh, example. Look at how far we've come with Grayson Allen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and you go to the
4: day in history to the day before the Bucks got Grayson Allen, mm-hmm. and and go on the air here and ask
5: people, hey, what do you think about Grayson Allen? And just watch the hate pour in. Oh man, we we've gone we've come so far. where, on this very show in in Knights gourmet popcorn draft mockery. We've done a couple, you know, most punchable faces draft, right? <laughs> Kevin, we have come so far where Grayson Allen is not even mentioned on those drafts. Oh, and he would have been a first-rounder. Oh, any other state, Grayson Allen would have been a first-rounder and potentially would have won you the draft. Do you 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 do it for athletes? Like does it include people here? There's oh. no there's no fan uh, so, employees that made the list. No, 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 we would never do that even though we could easily do that. Um <laughs> But we stretched it out into like a couple days where we did like most punchable faces in sports of all time. And then we did one day where it was like most punchable faces in basketball Ooh, currently, okay. and baseball currently, football currently. And then we also did like one day, I don't know why. I think it was because Top Gun Maverick came out. We were like most punchable actors. <laughs> not that we would ever advocate violence and all that. No, of course. Of oh, course. yeah. We will, we will take a topic and we'll stretch it out to like three or four days.
4: Where, where was Bryce Harper in the baseball draft?
5: Bryce Harper was not taken. But we got a couple of people that commented because we always get you know comments on those drafts. Like I can't believe this guy didn't get taken, which makes it all fun. <laughs> right. It's all part of the game. But um, yeah, Bryce Harper didn't get taken. But once again, he's kind of like one of those guys where he's kind of chilled out the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And ever since he's became, like, a father, too, and all that, I feel like he's just been, like, more mature and all that. So, like, I don't have anything wrong with Harper. Maybe it's just the way his face looks with people. I get, but I don't have an issue with
4: Bryce. Well, and, and you saw, I mean, he, he just broke a finger. Uh, yeah. and, and he basically
5: told Blake Snell on the way off, like, I'm going to be okay. It's not your fault. Right. It's like, uh, you know, Good with Hunting, like. It's not your fault. That's re- yeah, it's not your fault. <laughs> Come on, man.
4: <laughs> uh, it's Yeah, you know, Blake, Blake kind of looked like that, too. Like Blake was a little shaken up by that whole yeah, thing.
5: Yeah, I would be, too. I mean, it's the same thing when, whenever it happens to Trout. It's like you never want to see those guys, and I'm sure the players like feel terrible as well.
4: I just – and
5: it, it's interesting because
4: Harper's a redemption kind of guy in my mind because there was a time when I would have just very much disliked him, and I, it's becoming a lot harder to dislike him. <laughs> You know it's yeah. it, it, just because like you say the last few years there's been that you know that that
5: change like you you kind of can't dislike it, right? right I mean what it's all it's all because of stuff he's done in the past right a long time ago with like the hunter Strickland brawl like we're kind of over that we in a couple of years later, like the guy is still so young like yeah, I think we've all changed in that many years yeah you you' You're allowed to make mistakes in your lifetime, you know, and oh, yeah. he's,
4: he's, 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 I think has made a few and I think he's done well with it, learned from it, matured, that sort of thing. Now, if we need to root against him in the playoffs, we will. Oh, hundred percent. But that's a different animal. We're going to take a quick break and come back. This is an historic anniversary in Wisconsin sports. Something happened nine years ago today that changed everything we do in Wisconsin sports. And we'll talk about it next on the fan afternoon show.
3: With the 15th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Giannis Adetokounmpo from Athens, Greece. He last played for Phil Atleticos in
5: Greece.
4: A moment that at the time was, I mean... Maybe a little bewildering. Maybe it was certainly innocent. Like, just you didn't think that that was going to be a thing. And and look, I we talked about it. I did on on Twitter earlier. Uh, I was covering the draft that night, and when that pick was made, I was like, "Well, we'll see him for his introductory presser and never again."
5: Yeah, I think the the Giannis pick has definitely changed how we all now view draft picks in Wisconsin. It's crazy. I
4: mean, yeah, because if you if you get a guy that you've not heard of, you don't automatically go, "Well, that's a throwaway." You know, you research it.
5: Yeah, especially not anymore. I mean, even with this year's uh, Bucks draft pick, uh, Marjon Beauchamp, like, yep. we all know that he's going to be a project pick. But now I feel like more than ever we have faith in these guys that might need just a couple of years to develop and all that to get to their full potential. So because of Giannis, I mean, not only that, but the story that he has too and all that, like everything you couldn't have asked for a better story to fall in Milwaukee's lap. Man. And, and so that story over nine years has developed
4: into – Milwaukee becoming a hotspot destination in the NBA, uh, one of the top teams in the NBA year after year, a championship, and now a movie. Rise is upon us. And uh, and see,
5: Sammy, this is how I know you're dedicated to your job.
4: Yeah. you Your show prep involved
5: watching a movie today. <laughs> yeah, That's I've, pretty good. I watched Rise before I came in here today because you know, I was very – just take a step back as a Wisconsin sports fan. Like, your franchise player – has a movie, you know, dedicated on the story of their life. I mean, that hasn't happened for a lot of Packers, brewers, and all that. So just, just be a Wisconsin sports fan, like, and just talking about the movie, because I know we'll, we'll talk about it probably later on throughout the week, Kevin, but I'm not trying to spoil too much, but, like, if you are appreciative of Giannis' story, this movie makes you more appreciative. If you think you know everything about Giannis' story, this movie fleshes it out. And I was kind of nervous, because I thought it was going to be, like, a documentary And then I was like, oh, we got people acting as Giannis and his dad and all that. But the actors are, you know, they did a really good job in the casting and all that. And then it all ends basically the ending of the movie is draft night. Oh, wow. So kind of like, you know, full circle with today. Everything just kind of, you know, intertwines with everything. Wow. So it, and then at the end, Kevin, I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm a man, but. At the very end of the movie, without spoiling too much, like I got a little choked up, man. Yeah, got a little, almost had to fight back some tears because like this story is just too good to be true. And we always talk about like how oh, this movie, this his his life is a, a movie, and it finally is. But like still, like the movie just flushes everything out and makes you even more appreciative to be a Bucks fan and a fan of Giannis
4: and and of what he's done too, because it takes. I mean, look, you have players that are drafted that, that come from this idea of privilege from day one, this idea that they'll be a superstar from day one. I think with him, there's an appreciation for the opportunity and his taking advantage of it.
5: Right. And then, because like you said, like people have come up in that same story and like fighting homelessness for a while, selling stuff on the street and all that, but like, to grow to be the person that he is, mm-hmm. cracking dad jokes after games and all that, and just being a... like. If, if I was a parent, like, that would be the role model that I hope my kids, like, watch and want to be like. Because there there's no flaw with Giannis. Right. And, like I said, like, Milwaukee couldn't have had a better person just fall into their lap with that 15th pick in 2013. There, was a, there were moments in those first couple
4: of years when Giannis would tweet about how, like, he had his first smoothie.
5: Oh, I remember that. I just had my first smoothie. God bless America. Right. And you're like,
4: <laughs> okay, okay, look, dude, like... <laughs> let if you want we can get you in like uh, some you know american culture kind of stuff and teach you know what i mean like right. th- there's a there's sort of a a reaction at first of like wait this dude has is sheltered and that was not the case at all
5: oh the oreo story too yes and then i'll put it like this to put a bow on it like the story, the movie emphasized, he went from borrowing shoes with his brother to now having his own shoes with Nike. Gosh, that's amazing. It's amazing.
4: Yeah, it is it is an inspirational story, and he's a Wisconsin sports icon forever, no doubt about it. Next on the Fan Afternoon Show, Dan Plesak, former Brewer, current MLB network analyst. It is, We're just going to talk a disgusting amount of being left-handed.
0: for details.